What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the 10th edition of Pop 5, brought to you by Sideshow Conversations. It's me, Mr. Money Incorporated himself, Val, and as always, my co-host today, the IRS to my Ted DiBiase, J. Rance. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm chilling, brother, man. What's good, bro? It kind of, it kind of, it, it's an epic little intro because it kind of feels like that, like a little tag team. <laughs> well, now Sorry. that you say that... <laughs> That is going to be our pop five, but we're going to give it a little bit of a twist for everybody. Since this is the 10th episode of pop five, we're going to give a top 10 countdown. And just like you were saying before, it's going to be a tag team off the rope kind of countdown. How do you feel about that, man? Oh, pretty awesome because tag team wrestling is like one of my favorite like parts of wrestling. You get what I'm saying? Like it's near and dear to my heart. Like, I love tag team wrestling, bro, honestly. So that's why this topic is great for me. And I don't know. I'm going to have a blast with it. I'm going to have a blast, too. I think that the people, the fans, our friends that listen to this are going to have a couple of heart attacks with our number ones Mm -hmm. or even our number tens. Because Mm -hmm. throughout the annals of history, there are a plethora (laughs) of tag teams we can actually say. We can go into things like Money Incorporated. We can go Mm -hmm. into the Wild Samoans. We can go into back in the day of having the Briscoes, the original Briscoes. So we can really deep dive, but it depends. We're going, as always, by um, likability, how we feel, uh, what they mean to wrestling history, what they mean to pop culture in general as well, too. And what they mean to us. So um, my question to you is, real quick off the bat, what do you think makes a great tag team? Um, Chemistry. Mm -hmm. I think chemistry is number one. And number two, what they give, that, that, that energy they bring to the audience. Um, yeah. As wrestling fans, it's our novella. So we're going to be invested in these characters. And when you have a mm-hmm. team constructing like that, that, that heel aspect, that face aspect, that, that you want to cheer for them, that you want to boo them, that you want to see them get pummeled, or do you mm-hmm. want to see them just go total badass on somebody, it's that emotion that they invoke to kind of yes, captivate your your attention. How do you feel about tag team wrestling? What what makes a great tag team in your eyes? To me, what makes a great tag team is, like you said, off the bat is chemistry. But also what makes a great tag team to me in my eyes, not saying that there haven't been great tag teams that are not relatives, but to me, I feel like that brotherhood, that bond, you know, I feel that's what makes a great tag team because there's like two on my list that there are three actually on my list that, you know, they're brothers, you know, they're blood brothers. So yep. I feel that being connected like that also as family with bloodline it makes a great tag team you know chemistry and ring ability like you said that to rile up the crowd and personalities you know because um they both can't be the same you get what i'm saying they have to be different one has to be different from the other and there's that blend and they mesh well so i think different personalities as well are great in the tag team oh definitely and we're not limiting anything whatsoever with this list. They could be tag teams for six months. They could be tag teams for 10 years. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. It all depends on how we feel about them and what they gave to pop culture or just in history alone with wrestling, with out of wrestling as well too. Hell, there's a tag team on my list that um, have been mainstream out of wrestling as well too. People are like, hey, I know those people for for the look and the style they that they gave in the 80s. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. And if you don't mind, I think I'm going to start off with mine. Oh, yeah. It actually is your turn because last time I started. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you take the floor. Yeah. I'm going to go with my 10, 10, mm-hmm. 10. I'm going to go with my Ty Dillinger today. <laughs> <laughs> so my number 10 is going to probably piss a lot of people off because some people don't really see them 
rightfully so, as a historic tag team. In my eyes, though, I definitely do. I think they brought a chemistry that was so different at the time. I think that, yeah, they, they borrowed from other people from other organizations or federations, but the same token, they meshed it well. And they were revolutionary, and I'll tell you why. They are the tag team of the Road Dog Jesse James, the badass <laughs> Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaws. Mm, that's a good pick. I know somebody out there listening to this is happy. About Maybe, that pick. but then you have somebody like, God damn it, white. <laughs> and rightfully so, because the New Age Outlaws, yes, they. They are in and out when it comes to tag teams. They've had both singles careers. They've been tag teams from different um, organizations, sometimes not even using that name. They have used names like the Voodoo Kin Mafia, the James Gang, and, of course, the New Age Outlaws, even the Corporate Outlaws as their last run. But I feel Mm -hmm. that, number one, these were two guys that were essentially jobbers at one point. Maybe Billy Gunn at at that time was a little bit better. (laughs) You know, he was part of the new Blackjacks trying to find – something in his career with Bradshaw and just didn't fall the way he wanted to. And, you know, Roll Dog was just struggling, you know, being the roadie and things of that nature. He was just a guy to job out to on Monday nights, even Shotgun Saturdays. So when you had these two essential jobbers in a way, just kind of mix it up and got the green light to say, hey, you guys have personality outside the ring. Show it. Roll Dog plethora of personality his personality when it comes to like that 90s grunge hip-hop scene he captivated that audience right there if you like things like um counting crows road dog was your dude <laughs> <laughs> and then if you if you like that that kind of jackass personality mm-hmm. um you got billy gunn and i think just the different personalities mesh so well and mm-hmm. then when they formed together they were unlike any team you saw they were badasses they were rebels they were in a time where you had the cookie-cutter tag teams in the World Wrestling Federation in the 90s. And they took charge. They Most notably, their first real run as a tag team was against um, Chainsaw Charlie, Terry Funk, and of course, Cactus Jack, mm. Mick Foley. And they had yeah. one of the best hardcore matches at WrestleMania 14. So in my eyes, not only that, being founding members of the next generation of G-Generation G- G- X, with Triple H, China, X-Pac, just being those kind of revolutionaries and taking DX to the next level, I felt like they they do earn a place in this list. How do you feel about the New Age Outlaws? Personally, I was never really much of a fan of the New Age Outlaws for the simple fact that I never gravitated to Road Dogs. Okay. But yeah, I gravitated more to, like you said, the asshole, which is Billy Gunn. So, right, right. You know, and, and, and it kind of goes with what I was saying earlier with like different personalities. And their personalities mesh well. But I feel that they're a part of, you know, that you can't put, um, how can I say, the Attitude Era without Road Dog Jesse James and, you know, Badass Billy Gunn and Generation X as a whole, like you just said. You know, so I feel that it's a great tag team. Also, their contribution on pop culture because you remember everybody wanted to see DX. They were selling merchandise like crazy. Everybody was walking around with DX shirts, you know. So, and then... um badass billy gun you know <clears throat> with the whole famous and stuff like that and then the, excuse me to suck it and we got the two words for you you know so i feel like they did good for pop culture for wrestling at that time oh yeah. you know and they like you said one of the best um runs that they had was with uh chainsaw charlie and um mcfoley i i love those you know when they threw them off the dumpster yeah that I mean, dumpster match dumpster, yeah that dumpster match was freaking epic so i mean i like this pick I mean, I can't give you much because, like I said, I never really got into Road Dog, but I do like this pick, honestly. This is a good pick, and it's an important tag team in 
history in the Attitude Era. And it, it shows how much that nostalgic act kind of carry, carries over through time because even in 2014, they won the tag team titles yet again as their last run. And hell, they're in their mid-40s, still, you know, chasing gold, still performing like they did before. You know, they worked a very safe uh, style as far as tag team wrestling. But like I said, that intro, when they came in with the, oh, you didn't know, the whole intro yeah. with the DX incorporating that as well, too, it just meshed so well. It took DX to a different level. It took their characters to a different level. Even though singles careers, they really didn't fluctuate the way they wanted to. As a team, they always found some kind of success. And I felt like they rightfully so belong on my number 10, brother. Mm-hmm. My number 10. You. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my number 10 is going to piss a lot of people off. And like I said, this one's personal for me because this tag team right now, it's a new age tag team right now. Um, they're kind of making me reminisce on, like I said, past wrestling, you know, the Attitude Era, because you remember when you used to throw on Raw mm-hmm. back then, they used to have crazy eight-man tag matches, you know. E- everything was a team in the stable back then, right? you know. So I feel that this team kind of takes me back reminiscent to that era, so that's why I had to put them number 10. I definitely couldn't have put them higher because, you know, like I said, they're a new age tag team, but to me, my number 10 is, and it'll probably piss a lot of people off, but I feel like these dudes are working right now. My number 10 is the Uso brothers. Ooh, like, look at you. I, I like that. Yeah, I had to go with the Uso's brothers because I feel like these dudes are working. They've been in the industry for a while, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, winning the FCW titles and stuff like that along that nature. And if you look at them, like I told you, chemistry and brotherhood and that blood bond, you know, I feel that they uh, personify what a tag team is, you know? Definitely. So, and then the fact that, they take me back to that nostalgia frame that I said that, you know, that attitude ever and stuff like that. And they're grinding. And honestly, I feel like they're one of the tag teams right now legitimizing tag team wrestling because we have seen a lot of, you know, BS tag teams put together, thrown together and stuff like that. So I feel that they have the strap right now and they're like legitimizing tag team wrestling and bringing tag team wrestling back to that uh, persona that it was, you know? And I, I, I mean, if you want to throw in the pop culture aspect, you know, they're colorful. They sell the merchandise. Kids love them. You know, they were high flyer. But with the heel change now, you know, that's what made them even more epic. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I just love the Usos. I, how do you feel about this pick? Because I know it's going to piss a lot of people off. But I just feel that, you know, they're legitimizing, you know, tag team wrestling again, little by little with each match that they go on. You know, the Usos, I wish I put them on my list because they are a fantastic tag team. I believe they're one of the rarest cases right now where – they don't want to be split up. Even if one gets yeah. injured, mm-hmm. if one is out of action at a competition, even for a year like we saw last year, uh, I feel like they stay with that bond no matter what, whether it's just being real brothers or whether it's yeah. just see success together. I feel that no matter what obstacles in their way, they're going to try to find something to be relevant in this industry. And they've been together for about seven years so far yeah. in wrestling, whether from FCW going into now to the WWE, um, they've always become fresh. They're always trying to do something different, whether it be the war paint, whether it be mimicking the wild Samoans, whether it be now with the whole one day ish attitude, Uso mm-hmm. penitentiary, they're always trying to be relevant. And I love the fact that they're trying. Not a lot of tag teams these days try. Everybody's so quick to say, okay, this is going to launch my single square. Essentially, that's what tag team wrestling was at first. It was just bring two people together, try to get their yeah. skills to collaborate, and then break them off and see who's going to be the better singles wrestler afterwards. But you do get that rare case where just tag team works. Everything works about it. Everything mm. meshes. Um, and 
these guys put out great performances. I have not seen one bad yeah. Uso match. I always feel that they're always trying to steal the show. And I think these days, that's what tag team wrestling is missing. Stealing the show. And they do mm-hmm. it. They remind me of the Hardy Boys when they first started. Yeah, um, Always trying to just outwork everybody. And you know what? I regret not putting them on my list. That's a great pick, brother. Yeah, you know, three-time tag team champions. You know, they they two-time slammy winners. So they, the boys are legit. Yes. You know, I, I like them. And, you know, so that's why I have to put them in number 10, bro. I, I, I'm kind of... I, I thought it would have pissed you off when you said that you're mad that you didn't put them on your list. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I like those. You know, they they're chill in a in a day and yeah. age right now where we are are getting a tag team boom again. I feel like they're the ones that kind of are gonna outlast a lot of these newer tag teams. Still, after being together for seven years, I still even think that they're gonna be relevant in the next two years. So uh, I hope that WWE sees that, and even if they don't stick around with WWE, if they want to look for better passages and and um, let's say Impact Wrestling or New Japan or ROH, they can do that. I feel like they have the capability mm-hmm. to be their own brand outside the WWE. So rock on for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they're not bad at singles competitors because, like you said, you know, usually that's what a tag team does, you know, because you remember that magazine Pro Wrestling Illustrated back yep. then? Um, back then in 2014, they were ranked respectively 25 and 26, you know, out of like the top 50. So that's not bad saying, you know, in the top 50s, you know, a single competitors, that's not bad, you know. So, the boys are legit. I like them, man. I don't know. I had to put them on my list. <laughs> well, let me roll in with my number nine right now. My number nine, in some people's cases, may be number one or two or three on their list. And it might shock some people. And mm-hmm. I understand why, but this is just my personal list. So, I understand that, people. So, if you're going to jump my throat, I feel that way. I understand. <laughs> but... These two individuals were founding members of the Four Horsemen. And, of course, in the 80s, nothing was better than tag team wrestling, especially in the National Wrestling Alliance. Um, And, no, I'm not talking about Ole and Arn Anderson whatsoever. I'm talking about the tag team combinations of (laughs) Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson being the brain busters together. Oh, that that that's a great pick. Uh, I'm just laughing because yeah, no, yeah, that's a great pick. Yeah. As much as I love the the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, they're great. You know, Oli and Arn, um, to to their own credit, are a great tag team going beyond the NWA as well too. But I feel like the chemistry between Tully and Arn is so much better. I feel like they had so much fun being the heel tag team. I feel yeah. like um their rivalries, whether it be with Dusty, whether it be with Magnum, whether it be with all those road warriors, hell, even with the Rock and Roll Express, they have history along with the mm-hmm. Four Horsemen name. They have history jumping out of that from the National Wrestling Alliance to the WWF at the time and even making history from there, taking on the Rockers, taking on the Rock and Roll Express in the WWF. So winning tag team gold from NWA, um, going into WWF as well too, I feel like not only do they transcend wrestling, but they even transcend the, the Four Horsemen name. I feel like they're, they're more than what the Four Horsemen was as well, too. They're, in their own rights, a great tag team. When you think of the Brain Busters, you're like, damn, yeah, Tully and Arn, they're great tag teams. Um, as much as you want to say, you know, Oli and Arn were a great tag team, I feel like, uh, in my opinion, they had better chemistry. I could be wrong. That's why I feel like people mm-hmm. may jump down my throat for that. But I could be wrong. But I just love the chemistry between um, Tully and Arn. How do you feel about them? Oh man, I mean, they're they're great. They're great, like you said. Um, they um transcended, you know, tag team wrestling as well. Like you said, they also went, you know, 
beyond NWA as well, because you mentioned it's kind of like one of those things where I feel like you got to pick one out of Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the Rainbusters. That's just my opinion. Yeah. You know, so, but um, I, I like them. Definitely, I could see the chemistry a little bit better, but I just felt that in ring, I like the chemistry better between uh, with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, you know, because okay. they had a little bit of that brutality in my aspects of me. But um, I also feel that they're a, a historic part as well, you know. Tag team wrestling, like you said, you know, founding the with the four horsemen and stuff like that, you know, that transcends into pop culture because you know they were living that lifestyle, that lavish lifestyle that you know, Will and Dylan, you know, women and everything in fashion. So they're definitely a, a great part and a great um addition to the list. I'm just like kind of you know quiet because I don't know, maybe it was probably on my list, so I don't know. Like, no, I, yeah. I feel you on I, that I have, one. I, I have a feeling that you know, like there may be some teams on this list that we're gonna have. Definitely, you know, so. definitely. And I, I won't, you know, many times in our times of doing pop five, we have kind of just said, you know, F it. Yeah. let's just go ahead and t- say how we feel now. But I think we're gonna kind of keep quiet on certain things and just be more yeah. surprised. But yeah, definitely. Um. What I love about the Brainbusters too is that their tag team finisher, in my opinion, is one of the most devastating finishers for a tag team. The New Age Outlaws mm-hmm. took that from them as well too, as homage, as you know, such a devastating finisher, the Spike Pile Driver. And you would yeah. think that, damn, they, as the name of the Brainbusters, they would have a Brainbuster as their finishing maneuver, but no. Yeah, uh, definitely. It was, yeah. it was just such a, a different time back then where you could see just a regular Pile Driver was such a devastating move, but to have the Spike Pile Driver with somebody's going up from the top rope driving the person's head down the canvas or on the concrete floor. Um, so many angles were done with these two incredible players. So many um, rivalries were taken to a next level, uh, especially with them and the Rockers and WWF. So I don't know. I feel like, number one, um, and like I said, as much as I love the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, I feel like they had that whole, you know, um, farm boy beat you up mentality <laughs> thing going on for them. Yeah. I like the whole yuckies scum version of uh, the four horsemen just being these guys on wall street who are extremely successful but also want to do everything to break your bones because you were a piece of shit and i felt like they <laughs> amplified that especially with rick flair by their side as well too but you know with james j Dillon and the way yeah. and of course with the late great bobby heenan as well too managing them in the wwf uh, i just felt like they were such a breath of fresh air even kind of and if they're on your team if they're on my um Pop mm-hmm. five as well too. They inspired one of the better tag teams right now, the revival. So I mean, yeah, they they they're they're, yeah. they're a big inspiration for the history of tag team wrestling. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with you, and that's why it's a good pick, man. And like you said, that when you think about either that that team, the Rainbusters, and sometimes a little bit of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, you immediately think of New Age, like the revival, like you said, yep. you know, because they have that mystique and that aura about them, you know. So that that's a great pick, bro. That's a great pick, honestly. Um, rolling into my number nine, I don't think you see this one coming. I don't think anybody else sees this one coming, you know. Um, for me, though, it, it, it's a pick that I had to put because it, oh, it stemmed one of my favorite wrestlers where at this point in his career, he wasn't really doing much. You get what I'm saying? Where they really had no plans for him. Management just threw him together with this guy and they were like, hey, you know, like, let's see what happens. And it actually turned out to be a success because, you know, in 1993, they were voted Tag Team of the Year. And they captured the tag team gold, you know, once in their career, you know, for just being thrown together. And that team is the Hollywood Blondes. Ooh, I like that pick. <laughs> yeah, so I had to put the Hollywood Blondes as number nine because, like I said, you know, they had Stone Cold and Stone Cold is like one of my favorite wrestlers. And at that time, they really didn't know much 
to do with Stone Cold, you know, and it kind of remind me of the New Age, um, like what happened with um the New Day, you yeah. know, the New Day where they took Kofi, Xavier, and um Biggie, and they just threw them together, kind of in a situation to fail, you know, and they made the best out of it. They gave them, you know, lemons and they made lemonade. So that's how I feel about uh at the time stunning Steve Austin and mm-hmm. you know flying Brian Pillman, and to me, I had to put them there because. I feel that also they transcended into pop culture in the sense because they were Hollywood blondes. You get what I'm saying? It's the movie aspect, the movie culture. You know, yep. they came out with the little glitz, the robes and stuff like that. With the cameras you know? and the cutscenes. Yeah, with the cameras. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Yeah, the cutscenes, the cameras, you know. So that's transcending into pop culture, you know, into Hollywood and stuff like that. And also it was kind of like one of the first tag teams where you started seeing a little bit of not really the first tag team, but it was also a tag team where you started seeing like a lot of those high flyer moves from, you know, flying Brian Pillman. You get what I'm saying? So. Yep. It was just that aspect. And they, they meshed real well because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Brian Pillman, RIP, you know, he, he, he was a prick. You know, Stone Cold was a prick. So, you know, they have that chemistry. They mesh well. And they went and, you know, had great matches. It's not like they were just a, a, a crappy tag team. Like I said, they were 1993 voted tag team of the year. And they had great matches with the likes of, you know, um, Shane Douglas, um, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, when they actually got into that um I think it was with Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat where they fought for the NWA titles. Yep. You know, they got into that. So it's it's a tag team where I feel that it deserves its place in the top 10. You know, it's kind of like that misfit tag team. You know what I'm saying? Where they just threw them together and they made lemonade out of lemons, honestly. Oh, and, yeah, definitely. And I still feel that a little bit of that Hollywood blonde transpired into, um, you know, New Age WWE. I may be wrong, but it kind of reminds me of Edge and Christian when they whole did that little flash photography and posing and stuff like Definitely. that. I saw, I saw a little bit of the Hollywood Blondes come out through in those little segments and stuff. How do you feel about the Hollywood Blondes? I love Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman <laughs> is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, just because he was so innovative, his mind, he was taken away from us way too fast. And of course, yeah. Steve Austin at that time as well, too was just that piece of coal that just wasn't grounded up into a diamond yet. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to do so many things with him. And he had the capability. That's Steve Austin. I want anybody who hasn't seen uh, old school yeah. NWA, WCW. That Steve Austin is up. It's, it's not even a shadow of what he is from the WWE. Doing drop mm-hmm. kicks. Doing yeah. freaking neck breakers from the top rope. You know, doing the stun gun. Uh, submissions. Cobra clutches. So many different things that he was doing back then, WCW, um, mm-hmm. that he dumbed down once he got to the WWE. Yeah. And rightfully so. His character in the WWF, WWE, was 10 times different. All you need to do was just bust somebody's head open and hit him with a chair. That's about it. But this Steve Austin <laughs> was great. He was literally yeah. stunning Steve Austin. And it's a combination with flying Brian Pillman just having... A, a dirty tactic as far as heels, nasty heels, um, mm-hmm. or even just being baby faces as well, too. Th- that tag team was special, and people kind of passed by. I wish they were on my team as well, too. Damn. Um, <laughs> just because uh, there were those wrestlers that you want to hate, but you want to be as well, too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and like I said, they were just thrown together like that because they didn't have nothing for Austin. And at that time, um, Brian Pillman was actually tag teaming with Barry Windham. Yep. I don't know if a lot of people remember. And Barry Windham was actually groomed, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, for a singles career. You know, after that, Barry Windham split and he chose to, you know, wrestle for the title as a singles competitor. So that's where I felt like they was just like, hey, let's make lemonades out of this, you know. So I, I love I love the Hollywood Blondes. You know, I, I, you know one thing. I'm just gonna go a sidetrack right here. Yeah, 
I kind of like Barry Windham as well, too, but I never thought that he was going to be that person to hold the title the way he did. I felt like they put it on too fast, especially when uh, Flair went to WWF at the time and they just needed a champion to have and they put it on Windham. I don't know. I just I, I didn't see Barry Windham as that to be all end all champion. So, I, yeah. I, but I definitely saw Brian Pillman as a champion. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I just feel that Barry Windham was, I mean, I like Barry Windham, you know, um, but I just feel he fit that stature at that time, that big brute redneck style. You get what yeah. I'm saying? So I just feel that he fit that stature at the time. Maybe that's why I put the title. I mean, the dude is cool. I like him as an immigrant competitor because I'm a fan of him, but I just feel also his look at that time True. was what got him the strap. But if you look at this instance as well, too, when they both went to the WWF at the time, Barry Windham tag teaming with, um, with Brashall at the time being new blackjacks, uh, that that was about it. That's all he was going to get yeah. was being the new blackjack. And then Brian Pillman coming into the WWF, automatically coming in with that heart foundation and being yeah. the, the loose cannon, the rebel. He has so many angles. It's funny how the shoe kind of fits on, on a different foot. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking at Pillman's career to the WWF, again, taken from us too short, but imagine yeah. what he could have been in the WWF. Imagine <laughs> he could have hit Roddy Roddy Piper level. Dude, um, he, he yeah, he could have hit Roddy Roddy Piper level. I'm sorry, I just got sidetracked because I remember that, um, that whole little clip when he just showed up at this dude's house. He's got a guy. <laughs> he pulls the gun on Austin. That is great. He pulls the gun on Austin, yeah. And then you see him just standing there like a madman uh, with the gun and the ca- and the uh, camera goes off. So Man, great. great. I'm telling you, great. And then you see, um, you see Brian Pillman. You know his legacy still lives on because you see wrestlers that are like him, just like Dean Ambrose. You get what Definitely. I'm saying? Definitely. Dean Ambrose is like a, you know, new age Pillman. So, I don't know. I like the Hollywood Blondes, and I'm glad that you like that pick as well. Oh, definitely, man. Uh, I'm psyched about that. Yours <laughs> is so good. Uh, mine feels a little... No, yours is great, bro. What are you talking about? Mine is going to kind of be a little bit nowadays, a little bit recent, yeah. and and they're a popular tag team. It's going to be mm. my number eight. Mm. And I feel like what they're doing right now for tag team wrestling is rejuvenizing what's, what it means to be a tag team wrestler, number one. And yep. number two, they're on Vince McMahon's number one hit list to shut down. And really? every time Vince McMahon gives them some kind of shit to kind of, you know, stop like a cease and desist order for certain things that they're doing, they still turn around and make money. They're one of the first tag teams I've seen that have shown the industry that you can make money without being in the wwe this Mm. is the tag team of the young bucks and i absolutely love the young bucks like i said some people will probably put them number one number two these days but um as a tag team that's not that they're new but the fact that they're still trying to make history by doing different things in my opinion because um I feel like, number one, they, they have transcended what it means to be a tag team wrestler, number one. Number two, yeah. I feel like they have made money from different organizations. Even when they've been told that, hey, this is as far as you're going to go, they're still going to be money mongrels at the end of the day. They're mm-hmm. founding members of the Bullet Club. They've won mm-hmm. to every other wrestling organization besides WWE. And quite frankly, they do it on purpose because they want to stick it to Vince McMahon. They're homage to different wrestlers, the Hardy Boys, the Generation X, the NWO. Mm-hmm. They have taken everything great about different wrestling organizations different wrestling factions different wrestling tag teams and just made it into a little bit of a salsa and just gave it to you and just gave it to you fresh it wasn't like this like old hat kind of thing they are the elite for a reason because 
they stay relevant in every organization they're in. Look at them right now. Um, New Japan Junior Tag Team Champions, mm-hmm. ROH Champions. Hell, they made their own Super Kick Championship. <laughs> um, you know, TNA as well, too, when they were wrestling as, as um, the Jackson Brothers. Uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Tag Team Champions. You know, they, I could go on for the indie federations they've been and the mainstream uh, federations they've been as well, too. Once again, mainstays of the Bullet Club. And even when they saw that the lack of money they were getting from the rights of New Japan because they own the names of the Bullet Club, they came out with their own catchphrase with Kenny Omega, the elite. They, mm-hmm. they stay trying to impress the fans and the fans no matter what. They're not in it for themselves. They're, they're in it just because they love the fact that wrestling is in their blood. They feel like that's what they live on. That's their dream. That's their nine to five day job. So they treat it as much. They do it for the people who are paying for their income, the fans. They're not going to be there shelling out for, uh, you know, $700 for a photo like Virgil tries to do every day. You know, <laughs> you leave that man alone. You leave that man alone. You know, these guys really care, number one, about the fans. And number two, care about what it means to be a tag team um, wrestler. Everywhere they go, they are beloved. And mm-hmm. everywhere they go to, they are hated because of the style they perform. Some people call them um, overexposed acrobats. I don't. Some people can suck a big dick like Daniel Cormier. No, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care. I think they're phenomenal. I think that they appeal to so many different audiences out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Hell, even when they get um, a bad review, they'll spin it into something good. Um, they look at the little guys out there. They look at the smaller uh, federations, and they have so much fun. Fun. I have never seen a tag team have so much fun since the Hardy Boys. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because I could go on. How do you feel about the Young Bucks? I like the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks, I love them. I mean, they didn't make my list. I thought about them. But I like the Young Bucks, you know, because like you said, I love them for the simple fact that they're that wrestler or they're that team, just like Kenny Omega. He just signed a new contract in New Japan that they want to stick it to WWE and they want to stick it to Vince. And they show that, hey. You don't need to be in WWE to prove that you're a great wrestler and rack up accomplishments. You get what I'm saying? You can do that outside, you know? So that's what I love about them. The The fact that they're so reminiscent. Oh, also, with what I said in the beginning, I feel that, you know, uh, a, a great chemistry is also by brotherhood. You know, they're blood brothers as well. Yep. That's another thing. So that's why I feel that makes them great. And it's just like you said, they're like the ultimate homage to like the Hardy Boys, you know, stuff like that. I also love the Young Bucks because... They're if you look at them, these these dudes you, you see them, you're like, oh, they're so flail, I can just throw them, you know? And they're not that prototypical wrestler look, you know. So I feel that they took their looks and their abilities and their strength and they used it to to you know to their advantage. And they're just so reminiscent about the Hardy Boys. They're just so great to watch wrestling, you know. I just love them as well because they're always just throwing super kick parties everywhere. And you know. It's a great tag team. It's a great pick. I just couldn't put them because, like I said, I, you know, that, to me, I, I just didn't want to put them on my list because, I, you know, I don't have that personal connection like you feel because you just went on a beautiful rant for the Young Bucks. So, you know, but it's a great pick, though. Yeah. It's not even, not to cut you off about that. It's, it's because of the fact that I, I feel that they're, when you look as a gamer and someone who loves playing wrestling games, I feel like they're the ones that you want to make in a wrestling game that knows all the moves, that can do a tombstone pile driver or a choke slam at 150 pounds, that can yeah. do a 450 splash while also doing an RKO. They're that, uh, what Xavier Woods tries to be in WWE right now, but 10 mm-hmm. times better. Yeah. Are they like on their seventh title reign? I think seventh title reign. Yeah, and you know, not to say that 
they didn't try to be in WWE at one point. They did, you know, at one point when they were doing that whole ECW relaunch, and um, I guess they were trying to bring fresh talent in. They were jobbers at one point. Hell, they were yeah. even uh, in a segment where um, Miz and John Morrison were making fun of Triple H and Shawn Michaels and bringing them out as like replacements to beat on as jobbers. So of course, yeah. I think that lit a fire under their ass to say, "Hey, listen, we're nobody's oh. like." freaking tool to use we're gonna show you what we can do out of this no matter what i love people like them i love their chemistry with cody rhodes i feel like they invigorated his career uh their their roles with kenny omega with uh money scroll so many people that they have beautiful chemistry with even their own youtube show awesome. being the elite yeah. Also, you can't forget that my man marty Janetti trained them yo <laughs> yo of course uh, so, don't, don't, don't you dare talk about the Rockers. <laughs> we'll go into that later. No, you know, you know me. Hey, you know me. I'm the eyeball. I got the love for Marty Janetti. I was never a Shawn Michaels fan when they were together. You know, I was I always gravitated more to Janetti. But yeah, but no, great pick though, man. I, if I had to put him, I would probably made an honorable mention. You know, but definitely Young Bucks is what tag team wrestling is right now. Like you said, so I definitely. like the Young Bucks. Great pick. Um, my number eight. This is why I really didn't talk much. Because my number eight counteracts, what was it? I forgot what number were they that you put them. But my number eight counteracts your brain busters. And my number eight is the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, because we're talking about top ten tag teams. Um, I feel that if you, not saying that you were taken away from them, but I feel that if you don't put the Minnesota Wrecking Crew at all in a countdown, you just really don't enjoy tag team wrestling, you know? And... I had to put them because, honestly, they're also one of the most dominant tag teams. Like you said, you know, they kind of went above and beyond NWO. You know, NWO, you hear me? NWA. Right. <laughs> That's great. I'm sorry. It's okay. NWA, you know, capturing the tag titles eight times, you know, the NWA tag titles. You know, also being part of, you know, that, that brute style of wrestling that I feel that a lot of wrestlers carried on. You know, so I had to put the Minnesota Wrecking Crew because, like I said, you were talking about, um, I believe it was chemistry, and you felt that um, the Brain Busters had better chemistry. I felt that Ole and Arn had better chemistry in my in my eyes. So, and like I said, um, we've even had um, what like Minnesota Wrecking Crew too. When I think it was Ole that was um, managing yeah. them and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it it is a prominent tag team. You know, if they made two and stuff like that. So, I definitely had to put them in there if we're talking about like some of the most dominant tag teams. You know, because along with when it was Gene and Ole, you know, like they captured you know um, NWA the titles as well. You know, a lot of so it, it it's just a prominent tag team in my eyes. It definitely has to be on top top ten, top whatever the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. You know. um, if if anything, I probably like Arn and Oli more than I like Oli and Gene. Um, mm. But at the same token, I will say from 70s into early 80s, they were the brute forces. You had them, yeah. you had the Road Warriors, you had mm -hmm. um, um, so many plethora of tag teams out there. Stan, Han uh, Stan uh, Hansen and Bruiser Brody just as that big force. And mm -hmm. the Minnesota Wrecking Crew were, were that that tag team that was just like not to give them any kind of discredit uh, uh not, not to say that whatsoever <laughs> but they were the farm boys that wanted to beat you up you know they yeah. were the guys that came out of the farmhouse and said all right you're gonna be messing with my cows i'm gonna smack you in the back of the head with a freaking shoe <laughs> iron so you know it, they were brute they were 
you know, the guys that you didn't, you know, the if you were dating the sister, they were the brothers that are going to beat the hell out of you no matter what. Yeah. Even if you were a good guy, they were still going to beat the shit out of you. So I feel like for that time, from the 70s going into the 80s, they were a great tag team as well, too. I just felt going into, like, the whole 80s with the whole Wall Street angles, I feel like... Felt it was better. Uh, as far as Foley uh, and yeah. Arthur's chemistry with that yuppie schmuck kind of character, I like that. Going into yeah. the farm boy beat you up kind of mentality. But nothing to take away from the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. They inspired the likes of Brock Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin yeah, to Shelton make Benjamin, their exactly. own tag team in OVW call, I believe, the Minnesota Stretching Crew. So I mean, <laughs> you, mean you look at that name now, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, hey, if they could inspire somebody like Brock Lesnar or Shelton Benjamin, definitely, and a revival as well, too. Um, yeah. They do belong on this list. They do belong in the, in the history books as one of the best tag teams out there. Yeah, and I just, I just love, like you said, I guess it was, if this is one of those things where, you know, the Brain Busters transitioned well into that pop culture as the Minnesota Russian crew, like you said, they were more redneck hicks, just beat them up, you know? So that's why I gravitated more to them. But I can see why you say, you know, the Brain Busters were more of a pop culture impact. But, I mean, still to me, they have to be on, on, on anybody's, you know, list if we talk about dominant tag teams, you know? Also, it's one of those things where if uh, not every member was an Anderson, you know? Yeah. Like, you didn't have to be blood-related because Ole wasn't an Anderson, you know? So, like, it, 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 it's a great tag team that I like it. I don't know. I, I had to put them. And I know probably there's a listener out there that is definitely excited about that fix. So, Ooh, yeah, bro. Dig it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to roll into my number seven right now. And with my number seven, I kind of feel that I'm sticking with the new generation of tag team wrestling for maybe the last ten years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this formation of a tag team came of course with two single wrestlers really had nothing to do and both great single wrestlers in their own right especially from different organizations from the indies um going from roh all the way to pwg going to dragon's day even going to new japan um i just felt like once they were together like i said great singles careers especially for one of them i feel like their chemistry is unmatched when it comes to their size and their tenacity these are the, uh, the tag team of Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley, the Motor City Machine Guns. Ooh! Now you got me <laughs> kind of regretting I didn't put these bad boys on my list. <laughs> great. Great pick, bro. Honestly, I did not see that coming. You, that came out of left field, bro, honestly. As much as I love the Young Bucks because they're that fantasy tag team, the Motor mm. City Machine Guns kind of bring credibility to tag team wrestling, especially for their size, being labeled as cruiserweights or light heavyweights or junior weights, they mm-hmm. defy the odds when it comes to a tag team for their size. I feel like um, in that era of wrestling, you had the likes of smaller tag teams like Paul London and Brian Kendrick trying yeah. to make that stretch bite. It wasn't until like the, real, the Motor City Machine Guns really took that mantle and took it to the next level, bringing different styles of cruiserweight action, X-Division action, if you want to say it from TNA Wrestling, and mm-hmm. defying the odds, having great matches with beer money, having great matches with um, the Dudley Boys, having even great matches today with um, the Wolves from last year as well, too. Yeah. I feel like even in ROH, 
um, having phenomenal matches with the Young Bucks. I remember seeing them in Dallas taking on the Young Bucks and Christopher Daniels and uh, Frankie Kazarian and War Machine, and it was one of the best matches because of the Young. Uh, sorry, because of the Motorcade Machine Guns. They brought a tenacity <laughs> that was much different from the Young Bucks, much different yeah. from what I've seen in WWE. Um, I feel like they take it everything from being a traveling wrestler. It's something you haven't seen before since the days of Chris Jericho, where you can uh, acquire skills from different regions you wrestle from, uh, whether it be Japan, Mexico, the United States, United Kingdom, and just formed everything together and, mm-hmm. and just made something beautiful. And I feel like they still have room. They're still a tag team today but they still have room to grow of being one of the best tag teams out there for the next five years. Like I said, yeah. singles career with uh, Chris Saban, great, you know, TNA heavyweight champion at one point. Um, and Alex Shelley as well, too, going from Ring of Honor, going to New Japan as well. I feel like they both have something to bring as single wrestlers, but they are even better as a tag team. Oh, yeah, definitely, bro. I, I love this pick. But let's not let's not forget that also a little variable name that they have were the, the Murder City Machine Guns. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I had to throw that out there, bro. I, I can't forget about that. But, no, yeah, I love this pick. You know, this is also it's so reminiscent of the Young Buck, the Hardys, you know, like you said, Paul London, Brian Kendrick type of wrestlers and stuff like that. You know, Chris Saban even kind of reminds me of somewhat of a – well, Daniel Bryan reminds me of somewhat of Chris Saban. You get what I'm yeah. saying? So, like – that small stature of, hey, we're going to make the best of it and we're going to do what we're going to do and we're going to put on a damn show and we're going to steal that show because, you know, sometimes these wrestlers of that stature need to go out there and outperform the bigger ones. So, I mean, great, great tag team. Like, they have so much, you know, uh, credibility. Um, How can I say? Damn, I'm trying to find a word. I cannot find it. But they have so much accolades, you know, like you said, New Japan um, tag team champions, um, AAW tag team champions, uh, pro wrestling illustrated tag team champions of the year. I mean, not champions, but it, they just have so much thing. Ring of Honor, nonstop um, TNA. And I'm just kind of excited about this pick because I'm just oozing at this pick because this is so like, I remember watching these guys with you. Remember, I remember playing the video game for PlayStation and stuff like that. So that's why I love this pick. This pick is near and dear to my heart. I'm surprised. I, this pick just really flew over my head. So I'm a little disappointed in myself because this is one of my favorite tag team. And standalone single careers, like you said, you know, they, they're great. But as a tag team, they're just way better, bro. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I, yeah. Go, 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 yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're excited. I'm just, go I, yeah, I'm ex- bro. I don't know. I, I'm just mad that this team flew over my head, bro. Honestly. But yeah, go ahead. No, no. That's really um, what I kind of wanted to end cap was with. They were the better parts of what made Total Nonstop Ash in wrestling yeah. that alternative that you were looking for at that time. Mm-hmm. They they kind of brought back something great in tag team wrestling. There was a point in time where TNA had better tag team and women's wrestling than WWE had uh, from the mid-2000s. And that's an accolade you can give them. You can give TNA that accolade right there with the likes of you know Team 3D, with the lights of the Molo City Machine Guns, with the likes of Beer Money. They were... Um, um, so many other tag teams I could go into as well too, but I won't. I feel like they, number one, belong in history mm-hmm. books as a great tag team, but influential on the new newer tag teams that are coming out these days. I don't know, yeah, definitely, man. I I, I love that pick, bro, honestly. And uh, like I said, damn, man, I don't know. Let Let's rewrite this list again. Nah, 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 nah. I'm kidding. I want to hear you. I want you to go. That that that's what makes it so epic. Um, my my number seven. It's also uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, and it's a tag team that I remember watching, you know, a lot of their matches on WWE Network and stuff like that. And 
my number seven is the tag team of Jim D'Anville, Nightheart, and <laughs> yeah, the Heart Foundation. And you know, this tag team was actually formed on some like little shenanigans stuff because you know, at that time, um, Jim Anvil was running with the Heart Foundation by himself, you know, with um, Jimmy Hart and stuff like that. And at that time, really, Bret Hart wanted to join him, you know, as a tag team, but the company was like, no, they laughed at it. And Bret Hart was like, why are you laughing at it? You know, so everything kept happening, whatever. And he was about to leave the company. So the company just said, here, F it, you know, jump in. We'll do it. The Hart Foundation and stuff like that. And, you know, that's like honestly one of the first times where we've seen Bret work as a villain, you know, do some villainous work. Yep. So that's why I enjoyed it as well. You know, excuse me. <clears throat> but I feel that it's also a great tag team because, um, you know, not only did they win the championships twice, but um, it had that. What I liked about it, it had that bruteness from Jim D'Anville, and then it had that technically sound wrestler, which was Bret Hart, you know? So that's why I loved it. I feel that they mesh well. And I remember watching some of my favorite matches, like I said, on the network, you know, from watching the Hart Foundation and stuff like that. And in the 80s, you know, um, versus Martel and Tito Santana, you know, and things of that nature. So I feel that they they deserve a spot in in minds not only for Bret Hart because I love Bret Hart but um I feel that they deserve a spot and one of those great tag teams of of the eighties and stuff like that. Oh no man! How do you feel about the Hart Foundation? I love the Hart Foundation. I will be honest. Originally they were on my list, mm-hmm. but I had to think about it a couple of times only for the fact that I remember loving Bret Hart so much as a singles wrestler that maybe I just didn't appreciate him as a tag team wrestler the way I should have. Uh, especially with rivalries with um, the Road Warriors, rivalries with the Rockers, so many different rivalries yeah. happening back then. I felt like I didn't give them their due credit. If anything, I feel bad for not putting them. Also, the British Bulldogs <laughs> on my list because I love both of those tag teams. But yeah. I love the Hart Foundation. Jim Anvil yeah. Nightheart is a great wrestler, very underrated wrestler as a, yeah. that strongman character. And just complimenting what Bret Hart can give. You know, sometimes going off the top of the rope for drop kick and then, yeah. you know, Anvil just, you know, doing the power move. So they had that yeah. mesh of comment of combos with them. Yeah, no, that's what I liked about them. You know, you had the boot, then you had the technically sound, and you know, they really start getting their uh they gained their status really as mid card wrestlers. You know, they just been jumping into that top flight tier because of Bret Hart. You know, I think they were feuding at one time with I don't know, some some tag, some little jobber tag team called like the t- Killer Bees or something like that. Killer Bees, then... the, leave the Killer Bees alone. <laughs> killer Bees, are the, they're my number one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then, like you said, you mentioned them. That's another um, great tag team, you know, the British Bulldogs. And that's when they really started picking up that steam when they started feuding over the titles, yep. you know, with Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. You know, I remember watching those matches as well. That's a great tag team. Like the strength of Davy Boy when he used to host up. Dynamite Kid on his shoulders. He used to just dead stand on him and then, you know, just drop off. So yep. that's another great tag team in their own right, which could have been on my list, but I really didn't put him. Honorable mention, though, so I'm going to say right now. Definitely honorable <laughs> mention for British Bulldogs. I'm a big uh, Davey Boy Smith fan and a big yeah. um, um, Dynamite Kid fan. Um, I-, I love what his son's doing right now. If you heard uh, my New Japan review, his son's doing it up. They just lost the um, IWG. Uh, P tag team titles right now, but he had a look mm-hmm. that reminisced um, his father from the late nineties run he had. So it was great. Yeah. So, but definitely Hart Foundation, the rivalries with the British Bulldogs, with mm-hmm. the Rockers. I I, I feel Rockers, that yeah. if anything, I feel like uh, my next pick right now is going to compliment what you have. Okay, let me hear it. My next pick is the the rivalry that is the Rockers that came mm-hmm. with the Hart Foundation and. 
I feel like this goes hand in hand because Michaels and Hart just were mirroring each mm-hmm. other when it came from the 80s going into the late 90s, even going surpassing that as well, too. Of course, Michaels having, I guess, more of uh, a historic career than than Bret Hart. That's arguable, though. Arguable, though. Yeah. But the same token, I felt like they were trying to compete who was going to be the better one to break out as a tag team wrestler. Um, I love the Rockers. I feel like they're an innovative tag team at that time. Um, I, I originally liked their first name when they first came out. They were called the Midnight Rockers. Yeah, the Midnight Rockers. Yeah. All they were doing was just shaking and gyrating all over the place. <laughs> you know? Not knowing what the hell they were doing. And of course, they were a tag team that was brought together. And honestly, they made um, what? They made um, fondue out of mincemeat, I guess, if you want to say that. Yeah, pretty and much, yeah. They were, of course, in that time uh, frame where you were a traveling tag team. You were trying to expose your group to different organizations. It was more water mm-hmm. mouth. And I felt just like the Hart Foundation, even though Bret Hart had... See, that's, that's the thing where, where I, don't, I didn't put the Hart Foundation in. And I kind of put the Rockers in their place because I felt like... Bret Hart had the name recognition as a wrestler. And no matter mm-hmm. what, he was always going to be groomed for success because of the Hart name, um, especially okay. with Stu Hart backing him up. No matter if, yeah. you, if you have Stu Hart's approval at that time frame, you're going to be successful. Um, so with the Rockers, you, they, they didn't have that opportunity. You know, Janetti and Michaels at the time were just two guys that were just trying to make it in, a, in an organization where you had the big guys there. You had... You know, the people like the Road Warriors. You had the people um, like the Minnesota Wrecking Crew as well, too. And for that time, even though, you know, Michaels and Janetti are fairly, you know, okay tall. They're taller than us. We're short Puerto Rican guys, (laughs) you know. In that time frame, you couldn't make it as far as a single wrestler at that stature. So they took took the ball and they ran with it. Um, Definitely homaging different um, tag teams, you know, like the Rock and Roll Express and Mm -hmm. Midnight Express. I feel that they formed their own little thing going on, especially a fan base that just swept the nation, going from the AWA, going into the NWA, and eventually going into the World Wrestling Federation, um, uh, capturing those tag team titles. Like I said, having great matches with great people. You had Heart Foundation, Road Warriors. They had uh, the Brain Busters, um, so many different tag Legion teams of Legion of Doom they, they, they went everywhere when it came yeah. to wrestling they wrestled the best they weren't mm-hmm. some slump tag team they actually wrestled the best and you know what I'm going to say this right now I'm not a, I'm not a Demolition fan, okay? Oh, they didn't make my list, so they, they are not on my list. So how people look at them as one of the best tag teams in the world, no, because they didn't wrestle the best. People yeah. like the Rockers, like the Hart Foundation, went around, traveled to the different territories, and wrestled the best. So yeah. that's why I put them so high. Of course, because they, they meant everything to wrestling history as well, too, have number one being great tag teams with that angle in the barbershop where they split up. It's just so mm-hmm. iconic. Just mm-hmm. so iconic of Shawn Michaels breaking out of that tag team, super kicking um, Janetti and throwing him th- right through the window of the barbershop, as Gorilla yeah. Monsoon used to say. And <laughs> then the, their epic rivalry as well, too, for the Intercontinental Championship. You know, they always tried to stick together even when they broke up. And, of course, Michaels being the successor, Janetti never really captivating that that fan base or that character he wanted to but i i feel like man both of them together i i can't say much you know i love the rockers very influential in my in my childhood this was your what number six yep well 
I let you have the floor because this was actually my number four. What? The Rockers. No, you shouldn't have said it. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have said no. it. I let you have the floor, man. Like, I don't know. I love the Rockers, like you said. Um, you still see that they transcend time with the Young Bucks, the Hardys, and all that stuff like that. I'll let you have the floor, bro, honestly. But they were my number four. And great, great accolades. You know, WWF champions twice, AWA, NWA. You know, great matches with the Legion of Doom, stuff like that. Like you said, they were going around all the territories promoting their skills, you know, and they were getting over, you know. So, and also it's one of those teams where you started seeing more of that high-flying style, you yeah. know. Where you started seeing a lot of those double to the team moves, the double drop kicks and stuff like that flying off the rope, you yep. know, which is influential to like the young bucks, the hardies, uh, wrestlers of that stature's, you know, the missile drop kicks, the super kicks, and everything. So I don't know. I, I love the Rockers. You said it, you know, way better than I could have. So no, <laughs> no, that's all right. I just let you have the floor, man, because you were just so the young bucks and the Rockers. You were just so enthusiastic that I didn't want to knock your flow. Nah, so, nah. There's nothing much I more can say after that. You kind of bookended it for me on that side there. I want to hear from you now. My, you see, it, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you know like the yin and yang. You were so epic with your number six. My number six, I just threw them in my list. They're not. I mean, well. I don't want to sit here and say they're not a great tag team, but I mean, they really didn't have, they don't have no accolades just for single competitors. That's what make them. It's a team that was formed because it had to be formed. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So my number six, it is the colorful team being managed by Elizabeth, the mega pound. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so, dig it. Ooh, that's the lust. <laughs> So I just had to, I mean, I really don't have much to say because, you know, this is a team that was just thrown together because I feel that it was something that everybody wanted to see. You know, at that time, it was just, they were having such great singles career. You know, Macho Man being better than Hulk Hogan, I don't care. Yep. Nobody says. Yep. You know, Macho Man being better than him. He was doing his thing. Um, Hulk Hogan was doing his thing. So this was a thing that it kind of had to happen in my eyes. I'm not saying that. Because oh, Hogan God. wasn't ready to, to let that limelight so, yeah. go. So that's, that, what that's what it was. Yeah, that's, that, that's what it really was. You know, he, he wanted to be in that limelight for as long as he can. And it, it, it just had to be thrown together. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination am I saying that, oh, my God, this is one of the best tag teams ever. You know, but it does have an important spot in history. Definitely. Because it's two of the most biggest iconic wrestlers being thrown together in a tag team. A super you tag know. team. Yeah, the most colorful souped up testosterone wait it wasn't there another one with this dude um the superpowers I think it was. you know <laughs> i'm just saying people have their golden state warriors with their durants and people this or you the know first yes this is the the, yes this was i don't think everybody else copied them i don't care yeah, the yeah. Ultimate Maniacs. You had mm-hmm. Money Incorporated. You had mm-hmm. so many other people out there to to really take down the Mega Powers. But there's only one real big tag team. Definitely, it was them for that one year. Yeah, or a year mm-hmm. and a half. They were really supreme. Yeah, they were, and that's why I had to put them. Like I said, by no stretch of the imagination, I'm saying they're a great tag team, but a important piece of tag team wrestling. Yes, I think the Mega Powers deserve their spot. So that's my number six. I love it. 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 <laughs> I, you know what? And I get what you're saying too. Yes, they they they, they didn't win any titles, but man, the, what it they was did. something that everybody got excited about. Yeah, you know, like oh my god, is this, is this union really happening? You know, it's like I said, it was that handshake. It was like. 
And I'm telling you, they put on like some of the best things. You know, I remember I love that where where he's like, it's lust in your eyes. You know, one of the best <laughs> wrestling angles of all time. I don't know how. Now, see, this is what Vince McMahon at prime. This is prime Vince McMahon right oh, here. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm just bro. making a year angle. It's amazing how how he gives up on angles these days where yeah. if something's not working for a month. He's just going to drop it. This was like almost it. a year and a half angle mm-hmm. with Macho Man, with Hogan going yeah. on to SummerSlam, building going, up, yeah. building up that animosity of turning Macho Man back to a heel character and going against Hogan with Elizabeth being at the forefront and then just Hogan trying to recapture the title. Oh, so many, yeah. so many moments with this. This made both of their careers. I, even though... You know, Hogan did get the title back at the next uh, Mania, WrestleMania 5. But still, the Mega Powers exploding. That was the tag uh, line for that WrestleMania. You know, it was just... It's such an iconic team because of the fact of the formation and the breakup equal to what they gave to pop culture and history. Yeah, it was an epic storyline, man. And that's why I have to put him in. It's my number six. That's the last. <laughs> I don't know. What's your number five, though? We're going to go into five now. Okay, so we're breaking mm-hmm. it down to the nitty-gritty, the hard the hard truths right now. And yeah. I don't know. Some ladies might see lust in these men's eyes, especially from the <laughs> 80s. One of them was, you know, you know, given a strong mullet for a good 10 years. That mullet was nice, too. <laughs> These boys were, were, were rocking some checkered tights, some mullets, and some wrestling headsets on. These boys had their own theme song going in with Sinoline. These boys were making up tag team moves with their last name. Talk about egos. These <laughs> yeah. boys are the Steiner brothers. <laughs> yeah, bro. Honestly, that's a great pick as well. I love the Steiner brothers, man. I, I just think they're uh, phenomenal wrestling, tag team wrestling. Um, um, mm-hmm. They transcend wrestling, in my opinion. I feel like everybody from the 80s to 90s knows who the Steiner brothers are. I, I think they even go beyond Scott Steiner, to be honest. And I think Scott Steiner has a great career of his own from WCW. But I think just them together, uh, just uh, seeing their chemistry, their suplex. They were the first tag teams that just... But throwing people around, but not just brutes, like with actual cred- credentials to their name. You know, you know, double leg takedowns, belly to back suplexes. Even though half the time they were dropping people on their heads and giving people concussions, <laughs> they were savage. And they brought some credibility as, as uh, NCAA champions in their own right. Um, going from WCW, NWA, um, going all AWA, going to New Japan Wrestling. You know, they they've were one of those tag teams that are really world tag teams. There's only, I want to say, four or five, I want to say, tag teams out there that can really have that acclaim to have the, the strap for the big promotions at that time. You know, New Japan, WCW, yeah, exactly. WWE, and, um, and NWA, you know, they have that, mm-hmm. that acclaim right there, they- so... Definitely, like you said, you know, and they had a great career, you know, debuting in the 89s. You know, like you said, they've been worldwide, you know, New Japan, NWA, you know, even they had that little skit in uh, ECW, yeah. uh, w- WCW, TNA, you know, uh, how many times did they win the Mid-Atlantic tag titles? I think like seven times, NWA tag titles, New Japan, they won it twice, you know, and solo careers, they both were at TV champs, you know, and like you said, um, even though... I, I love I love the Steiners. I love the Steiners because this 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 pick. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say it, bro. I'm gonna say it. it. It was my number one pick. 
Honestly, the Steiner brothers. Why did you tell me this? You should have just let it rock. No, no, no. I I mean, it it was my number one pick because the Steiners is what made me fall in love with tag team wrestling. As that's my number two. Don't feel lackluster, bro. We knew this was gonna happen. We knew a lot of these teams were gonna be on on each other's list. You know, they they um they they were they are my number one because Steiner brothers. It it goes kind of full circles with the Usos. You know, they made me fall in love with tag team wrestling. That brotherhood, that chemistry. Where you had that that bruteness, that physicalness. They were both barbarics, you know. They so were. there was there were there was nothing subtle about them. Like you said, picking up people with Steiner screwdrivers, dropping can, you on your neck. Can, can I can I go down the list of their moves? Because they they yeah. have a list of moves right here. Good, good. The, the egos, I swear to God. <laughs> Steinerizer. Mm-hmm. Scott lifts up the opponent, followed up by Rick performing a bulldog. Steiner mm-hmm. DDT, Rick lifts up the opponent, mm-hmm. followed by Scott performing an aided DDT. Steiner device, electric chair, <laughs> freaking clothesline. Steiner line, a German suplex with a freaking leave, clothesline. You leave the Steiner line alone, bro. <laughs> the Steiner line is and just Scott alone, just a Frankensteiner, Steiner recliner, Steiner screwdriver. Steiner yeah, Steiner, uh, everything. Yeah, he was he was so egotistical with that. But like you said, um, oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. wait, one more. The Death Valley Steiner. <laughs> Come on, Rick. How could you forget about that? Death Valley Steiner, yeah. But also, um, what made them kind of cool, like you said, the, the pop culture aspect, you know, these were like uh, collegiate wrestlers, you know. That's when you really started seeing that whole varsity jacket, yes, you know. Yes. Like, they, they started really bringing in that Michigan, you know, varsity jacket, which those things are real popular still nowadays. And I, I, I don't know. I just love them because everything, the chemistry just meshed so well from seeing Rick, you know, play, being that, like, that bulldog type character. He would get under Scott's legs and stuff like that. He'd be like, sick him. And I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I just love the Steiner Brothers. And honestly, they were, like, the first tag team that made me fall in love with um, tag team wrestling. They, I, I, I would sit here and we, I can do top five, top 100. I will always put the, Scott, the Steiner Brothers as number one on my list. Woof, woof, yeah. woof. And, and, and sorry, I had to, but we knew this was going to happen. At some point in the list where we were gonna have like the same tag teams. Well, I want to hear you break out into your top five. If that's the case. My top, my not me see my top five, my five, my six and five. They will be subtle because this is another tag team that I feel has a important part in history. And this tag team debuted in 1996, May 27th, on an episode of Nitro, where it looked like they were invading WCW. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and these wrestlers, they have great, illustrious single careers. And this is the tag team of the Outsiders. You know, Scott, yes. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, they're, they're great. They're great. It's singles, they're great. Even they, I feel that they were better as a team, though. You know, six times WCW champions, you know, world traveled as well, New Japan. Um, uh, I think they were in TNA as well at one point and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so, why are you laughing? No, go ahead. <laughs> they were kind of, I feel like they're kind of like, along with my number six, kind of like the Mega Powers, where it's a team that kind of had to be formed because, you know, they were riding, um, they were they were really the top faces, you know, the top, not face face, but the top players in WWF, you know, at that time. So, um, I put them as number five. Like I said, uh, to some people, this will be their number one. Yes, yes, I know that for a fact. <laughs> yeah. To some people, this will be their number one. I am not taking nothing away from them because they are a great tag team. But I just feel that also, like the Mega Powers, is another important um, 
team in history because, you know, they were uh, founding members of the NWO, you know, a historic time in wrestling. So that's why I had to put the outsiders on my list. <laughs> <laughs> You're just chuckling about this thing the whole time. I don't, so, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the outsiders because they're not on my top yeah. 10 list. And only for the reason that I feel like, all right, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot here. Because we yeah. just talked about the Mega Powers. But <laughs> I feel that their singles careers overshadow everything they do as a tag team. Mm-hmm. And I feel that they're not even a great tag team with chemistry. I feel like the only move that they really have performed together was like an assisted freaking, um, <laughs> what is it, um, Pompano Stretch or something yeah, like that. Pompano Stretch. <laughs> and it's like a domino stretch. And it's like... I'm like, I don't know. Like, their tag team chemistry never really... Yeah. Now, 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 their outside chemistry, their friendship, what they brought mm. from the WWF as the click with Michaels and Kid and H, and then going to uh, WCW as the outsiders, I feel like that chemistry was just great as best friends, because they really are yeah. best friends in real life. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from them whatsoever. They are just like mm, peanut definitely. butter and jelly. You put them together, you're making something good right there. But the same token, I, I just feel like... You know, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, such a crazy career in his own right that he can be branded as one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Who's Scott Hall? Yes. Yeah. Um, Kevin Nash, too. I feel like I'm not going to say he's the most underrated wrestler of all time. <laughs> no. But in the history books, he does belong there <laughs> for many reasons. Oh, whether it's just botching things, maybe. But then again, I'm the king of botching things on my own, right? So much respect to Kevin Nash and Psycho Sid for going on live radio or TV and botching words. But what was it that? Sorry, but I, I just had to rant real quick. What was it that Psycho Sid ran where you're you're the half of the man? <laughs> I don't I don't even remember. I can't even watch it, bro. Because you're on live TV, sir. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no. He's like, you're on live TV, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, but I feel like Kevin Nash was bigger than the Outsiders, and yeah. I feel like at some points too, Kevin Nash was bigger than the NWO, and at one point he was. Um, you know, even starting his own NWO Red and Black. In hindsight, I kind of yeah. feel stupid about liking it so much, but at the time, <laughs> it was pretty cool. You know, so it was like, I, I don't know. I feel like. Yes, they they are a great tag team as far as history goes. Like it's kind of like the Mega Powers as history. They have their spot in history, but like um, uh, I I don't want to say accolade wise, you know. But I mean, it was just one of those tag teams that it just worked great at that time, and you know, their historic part in wrestling with the whole NWO. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying where their singles career. That's why I said their singles career was great. But I just feel it was kind of like one of those mega powers where, like, hey, let's just you know, let's just form a tag team. You know, so <laughs> okay, all right, I'll give you that one. I just, uh-huh. I, I even still get, think that Hulk Hogan and Macho Man have better in ring chemistry, and I'm saying that about Hulk Hogan. I think that oh, they have better in-ring chemistry than than Nash and Hall do. I mean, I think of Nash and Hall, and I think of bad memories, honestly. I think of Nash and Hall, <laughs> and I think... It's true, though! Like, I think of Nash and Hall, and I think of killing WCW. I think of Nash and Hall, and I think of Jackknife Powerbomb's about to happen, and Scott Hall comes in with a taser gun and shocks the shit out of Goldberg. <laughs> like... That's, that's, what I, that's what the outsiders give me right now. <laughs> <laughs> the 
outsiders alone, bro. They are an important part of wrestling history. I don't care. Like, man. as a gang, I love them. As a gang, yeah. they don't. It's a man, when Kevin Nash threw Rey Mysterio to that truck, like a dart, is one of the best oh, yeah. parts of WCW history. Their invasion angles are phenomenal. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll speak good. Um, I think. <laughs> Their formation of NWO was great. Even when yeah. Hogan wasn't even considered as the third man, them two alone brought something special to WCW. Mm-hmm. It legitimized WCW the way Hulk Hogan did too, but I felt like they were showing what the invasion could do. I mean, Lex Luger did before, um, yeah. but I think Hall and Nash really set the bar on what yeah, they did. What people should turn into. They brought that realistic gang mind frame to wrestling. They brought the realism back because um, at that time it was just cartoon characters, both from yeah. WCW and WWF. So I think mm-hmm. they brought the badass. If there was any, uh, if there was any attitude, I guess era that started, it was from WCW first. Whoa, yeah, whoa, like whoa! Said, ECW well. first, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um. Like I said, I just feel that it, it it's also a epic part of my childhood. You know, the Monday Night War. Yes. You know, that that tra- that if anything transcends into pop culture is the Monday Night War. TV ratings skyrocketed. Everything. You know, people were glued to their TVs, and um, I also feel that it's an important tag team for the simple fact that what WWF did at that time to kind of like hey. Where they trick their fans into these bogus ass Kevin Nash yes. and Scott Hall. Yes. You know, so man, why. Isaac Yankum. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I feel that it's an important tag team because after they left, you know, kind of WWE, you know, the, the young bloods, you know, the new, the, the up and comers, you know, they, they put it on their back, but it was a real blow for WWF where, like, hey, we're just going to bring out these bogus Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. So. I mean, like I said, by no stretch of the imagination, I'm saying they're epic in-ring work and stuff like that. But for history and tag team wrestling and in wrestling in my childhood, I had to put the Outsiders. Mm, mm, mm. I like I, it. Why, yeah, you're probably going to put, like, Raven's Nest or something. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to my number four right now. And yeah. it's probably on your list. As well. It has to be on your list. If it's not, mm-hmm. I definitely understand. But it, most okay. likely it is. So I feel bad now saying it first, then. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Chicago wrestling, you know two names when it comes to wrestling. Mm-hmm. For the most part, these days, it's CM Punk, of course. Yeah, definitely. But for the true wrestling audience, if you were from Chicago, going from the 70s, going to the 80s, going to the 90s, there was one tag team you knew. There was one tag team that was the most dangerous, feared, no-selling, no-bullshitting tag team out there. One move to find them as well, too. One gimmick to find them. They went through different areas as well, too. All Japan Pro Wrestling. AWA. NWA. You better, the, you better say the Blade Runners. <laughs> oh, well, you better now, say, the you better, Warrior. <laughs> you better say the Blade Runners. Georgia Championship Wrestling. WWF. WWE. WCW. These guys. New Japan Wrestling. These guys have done it all. These guys are number one in a lot of people's minds. I understand that. Number one in a lot of people's lists. I understand that as well, too. They are my number four. They are the Road Warriors, a.k.a. the Legion of Doom. You know what? You know what? This is a great pick because this team, like you said, it it has transcended time. It's one of the most influential um, tag teams. They um, honestly... 
they, they transcended the business in my in my in my opinion because besides they were, they were just such a physical force you know they were yeah. just so impressive to look at you know like you see these two monsters these two behemoths you know they also transcended with like the whole face paint and stuff like that and like you said that one move that defined them and that move was their finisher for life you know even though that at one point you know hawk would use it with draws and stuff like that the doomsday device did you know define them that that was their move you know where we saw you know the steiner brothers as well use it um like you said well well traveled AWA in New Japan, even in Mexico, World Japan, and stuff like that. Um, the Legion of Doom, like you said, it, it, it could be number one on many lists. Hall of Famers, a gr- great team, just monsters, bro. Honestly, they, yeah. they were like, they were like, um, they, 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 oh my god, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I feel you on that one. They they transcend what it, what it means to be a tag team as well, too, and in all rights. Their finishing move, still to this day, is one of the best finishing moves out there. Um, when you look at a great tag team, look at their finish, and their finish is the most devastating mm-hmm. moves you could come up with. It's like straight up freaking clothesline from an assisted you know, seat. I mean, it's crazy. But not even that. When they first came out, they were green arrows green. All they knew was no. how to throw like a chokehold mm-hmm. and a clothesline and call the clothesline. Yeah, Larry, and, it's all day. And you know going out with Paul Elring, he was saying, um, listen, I love you guys. You guys are big and nasty. Don't try to wrestle. When you go in there, no sell everything. Go in Mm -hmm. there, hit a guy if you have to, for real. Go Mm -hmm. in there, elbow smash somebody in the face, break their nose, make it look as authentic as possible. And they had that reputation of being actual people that no sold. That just, you know, somebody wouldn't do a drop kick, they would not fall. For the life of them, even if they, <laughs> even if they paid them like $5,000, just take the drop kick, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They yeah. kept that character from the 80s going into the 90s of just being these mammoth type figures. If anything, mm-hmm. that's why Vince loved them so much because yeah. they were just larger than life. Everything they did larger than life the biker mentality the makeup mm-hmm. the the kiss mentality at the time because you know kiss was one of the best like devil rock bands if you can imagine <laughs> that at the time you know just everything just screamed out like just full-on machismo i'm gonna kill you mm-hmm. and they they took that ball and they ran with it whether it been from the nwa whether it been uh going to new japan mexico they carried that 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 aura mm-hmm. as the strongest nastiest craziest tag team out there even outside the ring that's uh, and you know god bless you know hawk um and of course animal as well too with their recovery um with alcoholism and drugs but that's really set them set that tone you know even outside the ring drinking heavy drug usage but just being that mean crazy persona inside and outside the ring i mean they live the characters yeah, no, definitely. And in my opinion, one of the most epic entrances that I've seen in SummerSlam 92 with the bikes when yes. they roll down the whole strip, you know, and uh, great matches, um, in my opinion, with Ivan and Nikita Koloff, with the Steiner brothers, um, with the with the Rockers for the titles, with, um, I think, the New Age Outlaws at one point when they were like the Legion of Doom and WWF, they just put on some great matches, you know, two-time WWF champ. And like in... in I go back to that uh, pro wrestling illustri- illustrated, excuse me. They ranked them number one in the top 100 tag team. So this right here could be the best tag team of all times in a lot of people's opinion. Exactly. You know, they have crazy great accolades. And keep on going. Why, keep on going. Yeah. 
they have crazy accolades, you know, um, NWA champions, AWA, um, NWA national tag champs. And I think this dude just stepped away <laughs> um, four times. Um, NWA Hall of Famers. They're just one of the best tag teams in history. Is he back? Because I'm about to drop a bomb. No, he is not. <laughs> okay. And he is back. Yes, I'm about to drop a bomb. And like I said, in a lot of people's opinions, this could have been their number one. In my opinion, it wasn't on my number one, but it was my number two. So, Ooh, uh, my number two. Once again, do not get stressed out. We knew this was going to happen, bro. So the Road Warriors were my number two on my list. I'll tell you why they mean so much to me as well, too. Um, I remember... And people look back on this WrestleMania as something that, you know, yay or nay, it really did divide an audience on that Attitude area, Era of wrestling. Yeah. But I remember one of the matches for WrestleMania 14, which is one of my favorite WrestleManias due to many mm-hmm. reasons. They were the mystery tag team. Yeah. And um, you had this whole gauntlet battle royal happening. And they came out with that iconic song. The... <laughs> and they even, you know, just took their gimmick to a new level. Even before that with, the, you know, the shoulder pads and spikes and makeup, they reinvented their characters, LLD 2000, coming out with Sonny. Yeah, with Sonny, yeah. having the biker helmets from the speed bikes. Oh, yeah, that was epic. It was, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Different tights, different airbrushing, different logos, you know, just a whole different mentality for the new generation that they were trying to appease at that time. So that new attitude generation and i wish it would have really took off more than what they were given at the time too because at that time they were brought in as you know more not enhancement talent but just to get over the newer tag teams but still i felt like that could have went on a little longer but of course giving you know hawks you know um, Mm -hmm. medicinal problems and alcohol problems it kind of ended that short um forever one of the best tag teams out there yeah I, i love the road warriors man honestly so wait, who's up next? Me or you? It's you, brother. What what, what number are we up to? Oh, well, we're... Done screwed up my whole list, man. No. <laughs> well, this that that was my number four. That's so we know four. you're number four, but I want you to speak about it. Still, yeah. just just give give a no, little bit it's, something. It's all right, man. We because my, my number three goes along with my number four, hand in hand. Like if you see a lot of my tag teams coming full circle, so I'm gonna just go to my number three. Go for know, it. Since you messed up my list, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. My number three is one of my. I, I put them number three, yeah, because they're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. Um, great, great memories watching their matches. Um, they uh, were iconic in the sense that they brought a, a, a lot of uh, one one style of a match into that era, you know, the whole TLC, you know. So um, my number three is the combination of the brothers of Matt and Jeff Hardy. Ooh. Those are my number three, the Hardy boys. And we're talking about these guys have, you know, I... I illustrious careers great careers I re- the first time i seen the hardy boys um i don't know if you remember i forgot who they were carrying but they were carrying out a wrestler in in the 80s or whatever like he came out like a king i don't know who it was um uh, was it i don't know who it was but they were carrying him up like you know like like could have been Hardy race <laughs> something yeah and, and i saw them for the first time that's where i saw them when i went back and i was like oh look those are the hardy boys like when they first started you know so they took that bottom 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 feeding you know and they just turned it into something epic where they have had a great illustrious career well traveled in promotions um ring of honor tna uh you know everywhere man and wherever they go they make an impact because they're like one of the most 
renowned epic tag teams ever and it's on everybody's list if you don't have the hardy boys you just you know you don't know tag team wrestling like i said once again it goes full circle because i feel that brothers make better chemistry and tag teams and you know they're brothers and they're still relevant nowadays because look at man hardy with the whole broken brand you know with the whole woke you know so i don't know and i feel that they um inspired a lot of tag teams as well you know like the Young Bucks and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I love the Hardys, bro. With the whole TLC matches and ladder matches with the Dudley boys, with Edge and Christian, I feel that they were raising the bar in tag team wrestling at that time. So that's why I had to put the Hardy boys as number three. I'm going to piggyback off you. That was, they were my number one. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, you done messed up. Hey, hey Ron. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, no, I... I give you that to you right there. Um, Hardy Boys have been so influential in my childhood, going into my teenage years, mm-hmm. going to the days of us doing backyard wrestling in the basements yeah, yeah. Um, and in the garages. Um, always influential for their characters. Um, first starting off um, just as jobbers at 17 mm-hmm. years old, 16 years yeah. old in the WWF, um, jobbing to the lights of Razor Ramon or One Two Three Kid, and then getting a chance finally having. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember this time so well too, and I knew there was something special about them. No one else did. I know one of our, one of our friends does not care too much about them, but I remember when they came out with Michael Hayes, and they were coming out yeah. with the cargo shorts and the tight ass shirts for some reason. Yeah. He had the little belt that he was coming out there with. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I, I liked them at that stage. Honestly. Yeah, they were cool at that stage. But what, yeah. even as I saw them forming something really different at that time, it was not until they. They really started their rivalry with Edge and Christian. And then mm-hmm. when um, Edge and Christian broke out of the brood, Gangrel kind of took the Hardy Boys becoming the new brood, the new blood, if you will, as yeah. well, too. And just coming that, that, that extreme gothic mentality, taking on mm-hmm. Edge and Christian, having that year-long rivalry, having those ladder matches, redefining what tag team wrestling was. Um, I originally had Edge and Christian on my list, but I did bump them off because of my love so much of the Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys have been... Just uh, great on their own as well, too. But their their chemistry in, out the ring, transcending what it was to be a wrestling fan. There was nothing bigger than the Hardy Boys and Lita at the time. Yeah, Team Extreme the time, was, exactly. was, was the pinnacle of what you could be for tag team wrestling. Back-to-back still in the shows, WrestleMania 2000 and WrestleMania, um, what was it, 17? I mean, people yeah. have fond memories of that, but... If you look back on those two WrestleManias, you're going to think of either two matches. Well, only one match is from both of them, TLC or the latter match. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's just what they contribute to the business, putting their bodies on the line as professional wrestlers. Even at this year's WrestleMania, having the best moment of WrestleMania, having the biggest pop at WrestleMania, having the best surprise of yeah. WrestleMania, and again, a TLC match. Yeah. And winning the match as well, too, becoming tag team champions shows that they're just not a nostalgia act. They're, they're an act that people love so much. You had kids happy. You had grown-ass men crying to see the Hardy Boys back in the World Wrestling Federation, or entertainment, as you will. It's just, ugh, I, I can't speak enough about them. Go ahead. Keep on going for it. I want you to take it. Nah, man. And, and like you said, they, they, I, I love the Hardys because this is a sentimental pick. Like I did, and I forgot what other pop uh, pop five it was. This is uh, a sentimental pick because this brought a lot of us together. 
I remember trying to emulate the moves. Everybody uh, walked around trying to, you know, twist the fade each other with the little, you know, the gun sign ah, and stuff, you know. <laughs> trying to uh, swan time. <laughs> yeah, trying to swan time. I almost broke my damn neck trying to swan time. Yeah. You know, in the basement room, yeah. Um, Watching the DVDs, connecting with these guys, you know, where we started uh, seeing that. Not, I don't want to say weird side, but we started seeing that that unique side of Jeff Hardy. Remember, yeah, stuff the, like that. charismatic uh, enigma, the, yeah, the Luma dummies and stuff <laughs> like that. So it, I, I, it's just a great tag team, great people, transcending time, and they're still relevant in my eyes, like you said. And they were kind of like the rockers of that age, you know. Yeah. Every, every female loved the rockers, you know. What female didn't love the Hardy Boys, or what guy didn't want to be a Hardy Boy, you know? What kid didn't look up to the Hardy Boys, you know? So. It's just a, a, a epic tag team that deserves a spot in the greatest tag teams of history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oof. Well, I'm going to have to kind of throw a curveball coming your way. It seems that that was my number one. I have two picks left on my list to kind of surprise you here with. One may be um, known. The other, my number uh-huh. uh, three may surprise you, though, right now. Okay, what's your number three? Well, you know, there's a lot of tag teams out there that can claim to be the best tag team. Uh, but there's one tag team in WCW that defines what it really meant to be a tag team uh, combination. Um, both broke out in different careers as well, too. One going to, to the NWO and one being one of the best wrestlers that we have seen today in, in, in breaking through society, breaking through chains, breaking through what it meant to be um, uh, a black person in professional wrestling. I felt like this tag team really just broke the roof and kept on going. Um, they were first formed up together as the Ebony Experience, but they're better known as the Harlem Heat. Ooh, Harlem Heat. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't put them on my list. I, I so wanted to put Harlem Heat because they have one of my favorite moments in the promo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, cursing out Hulk Hogan. Yeah, cursing out Hulk Hogan. Yeah, so I, I love Harlem Heat because Booker T, it, it, if I had like a top 10 or top, 20 or maybe even the top five i will put booker t in, in my top five because i love booker t so much not so much Stevie ray you know but booker t was the man yeah and they were a great tag team at that time definitely definitely i mean they 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 go around as traveling artists coming from the united states being the huffman brothers being uh the black bombers the ghetto blasters the ebony experience and of course the harlem heat i feel that number one they they transcend wrestling because at that time even being as a black singles wrestler, you weren't getting far. You know, you had yeah. people like Ron Simmons that really broke out. Tony Atlas broke out. You know, <laughs> um, I love some Tony Atlas. Leave that boy alone. <laughs> no, I- I'm laughing because I-, I-, I thought you were going to put Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson on your list. Nah, 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 nah. Just <laughs> as I love those guys, nah. They don't got no chemistry, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, Rocky Johnson always, you know, these guys kind of broke out, but it wasn't really until Harlem Heat where you saw something real special in tag team wrestling. And yeah. WCW, for all their flaws, they gave these boys the, the ball and they ran with it. Even with different, uh, um, you know, coming with that New York mentality, trying, mm-hmm. you know, not from New York whatsoever, both of these boys, these brothers yeah. from, from Houston, Texas, Houston, you know, Texas, yeah. taking that gimmick and taking it to the next level with different managers as well too with Sherry, with Theodore Long, 
um, just bringing these characters to a different level. I mean, their rivalries with the Steiner brothers, with mm-hmm. the Outsiders, with the NWO, and even with that turn, having Stevie Ray turning on his brother, smacking him with the slapjack, and turning on his <laughs> brother. You know, so many different, you know, historic moments with Harlem Heat, and then coming back together with Harlem Heat 2000, and then the final Heat. You know, it's just... Uh, their chemistry alone, Booker T's chemistry, Booker T breaking out of that, becoming world heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, yeah, in WCW, WCW, out of WCW, going into the WWE as well too. You know, it, they broke the mold of what it was to be a black tag team wrestler. And still to this day, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint a great black tag team. Um, and I think they they still hold the top of the line, the top of the totem pole, what it is to be a tag team wrestler. I mean, I I could really kind of search down the indies right now and see where there is, but right now Harlem Heat has the top. They are number one in in my book as as someone who who breaks the standard of a minority taking that ball and taking it to the next level. No, definitely. And just to add on to what you said with that whole uh, minority, these dudes had like the most racist gimmick ever. Oh, yeah. And they just took it they ate it and they, you know, made the best out of it because, you know, from from with Sherry uh, coming out with the chains and stuff like yep. that. Um, the whole dominatrix outfit. The whole dominatrix that. outfit, yeah. And it, that was just really rough to look at, you know. And um, with these names, you know, the Ebonic experience, Ghetto Blasters, the Black Brothers. Like, yeah. <laughs> but they took it. Crazy. They, they took, took it. it. Yeah, they took it and they made it work. And they are one of the most influential tag teams of all times. I, I love Harlem Heat. And Booker T has one of my favorite moves, the Harlem Hangover. So I love that move, bro. So honestly, great pick, great pick. And that's why I love the Uso so much these days. Because, as you know, yeah. people give Samoans like a pass. But, you know, if you look at the the Usos, even though they were bred for success, they have a lot of roadblocks in their way because they're not the quintessential mm-hmm. Samoan wrestlers. They're not, you know, biting people's ears off and, you know, doing headbutts trying to do live that gimmick they do something different and that's what harlem heat did as well too as ethnic yeah. wrestlers being an ethnic person myself trying to break out of the mold and trying to be something successful you're going to do everything you can to do so and i felt like they did that and of course booker t being the more successful out of the two um and it's crazy too because even with that booker was never supposed to be the one to mm-hmm. break out it was supposed to be stevie ray and joined it and going yeah. into the NWO, you would think that then, you know, Stevie had the chance to really break out and do something yeah, different. But, out. you know, Booker had the talent. Booker had the drive. Booker had the intensity. Hell, Booker had the flat top until uh, 2001 almost. So, I mean, you know, Booker, you know, Booker is in a league of his own. No one can say bad about Booker T whatsoever. Yeah, the Gumby cut. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I love King Booker, and also like you know, one, uh, he stands the test of time because one of my favorite gimmicks, which everybody hated but I loved, was when he did the whole King Booker accent <laughs> out of nowhere. So it's just great pick, great wrestler, and honestly, like you said, you know, being Stevie Ray in the NWO, NWO, you thought he would have been the one that was the most successful, but no, nah, man, Steve, uh, freaking Booker T, man, great, great pick. I thought about putting them, but like I said, uh, I was just like, let me, let me. Because I knew a lot of teams we were going to have. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. I saw that right now. So that's why I just dropped him. I was like, I'm not going to put him because I'm sure he's going to put him. I thought you were going to put Edge and Christian. I thought about putting them as well. So I was like, eh, let me just drop him. But great pick. Well, go ahead, bro, because we only have like one left now since we already exposed each other. 
No, we don't. That's it. Those are all my picks. No. Yeah, bro. Your one, two, and threes? We exposed each other. Three was the Hardy Boys. Two was the Road Warriors. And my number one was Stand Alive. All right. So I guess I got to end off with my number two then. Yeah, so I'll end cap it. And I'm pretty sure you, you probably want these guys in your list as well, too. And you can go ahead and tell, uh, tell me how you feel about them and what they brought to you as a fan or but to what to the wrestling culture as well too these guys in my opinion are what the steiners were for the 80s what the legion of doom were for the 80s um going into the 90s with harlem heat um going into uh, mixed the barbarians as well too um they just had so so many influential people to kind of form what this tag team really is and they weren't supposed to be the breakouts of this group as well too they were the stepbrothers that were supposed to be put in line but they broke out with their characters with their with their heel personas and their federation gravitating to about five or six federations afterwards these guys were the tag team of Devon Dudley and Bubba Ray Dudley the Dudley boys Oh man, I, I could say nothing about that tag team. I I, I don't like that pick. I, what? I don't like the I, I don't like Dudley Boys. I'm sorry. Oh I'll be the, no! I'll, I'll I'll be the Debbie Downer. I never got into the Dudley Boys. That's why they never made my list, or they would have been an honorable mention. Wow, that's crazy. I I respect the decision wholeheartedly. I really do. It's just for me. I love the Dudley, the Dudley Boys going from ECW. Uh, like I said, they weren't even supposed to be the breakout team in, in the in that crew. It was supposed to be all these other freaking Dullies. Like my man, Big Dick Dully was supposed to be a breakout artist in that. But no, they they took a ball and they 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 were a heel tag team. You know, they took everything where that Philadelphia crowd was giving them, especially a lot of them racist toward Devon as well too. And just having that mentality, you know, me um, coming from a family that knows Devon, coming out of Marinick State College as well too. Um, just it's a little little bit of peace in my heart as well too, knowing that my cousins grew up with Devon Dudley as well. Seeing how he he found his niche in wrestling, found that character. Uh, I, I love that preacher character from Devon. That oh my brother testify, that testify, and just with their hardcore personas in ECW, bringing that over to the WWE. And even when they first came in, they were struggling because they didn't know what they had at the time. They had these restricted Dudley boys that couldn't curse couldn't really do anything that they were doing at ECW. It's not until they ran into the likes of Honorable Mentions, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys where they found their niche. I mean, if you look at the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian, they're all simultaneously together. They all exist with each other. No, I, I don't want to say not one can exist without the other, but I feel like their careers would have never soared without each other. I feel yeah. like they, they belong in that mix. Uh, in history as well, too. Um, Dudley Boys with the table gimmicks as well, too. Um, winning championships in ECW. Winning championships in the WWF to WWE. Going outside of that. Not even when the whole invasion yeah. angle happened. When the WCW Tag Team Championships. Um, getting out Japan. of there. Going to Japan. When the yeah. IWGP Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. You know, going to Impact Wrestling rename themselves Team 3D, saying that, hey, you know, screw you, Vince. You want to own the Dudley Boy name? We can still be popular. And, of course, being a threat in there, Bully Ray coming out of that, you know, um, Bubba yeah. Ray becoming his own character with the whole Bully Ray um, aspect. Devon becoming a character as well, too. Even when they split in WWE, 
Devon was the better character with that Reverend Devon, which I felt like <laughs> it could have really went on. It could have really went somewhere, um, in my opinion. I mean, they both have strong characters in their own right, but I feel like they're the last tag team that I've seen besides the Young Bucks now that are world travelers that went to every federation they could, went from the bottom and tried their best to obtain gold, and they did. That's just my opinion, though. No, I mean, I, I guess it was a great tag team for whoever. Like I said, I do give them the credit because they go with my Hardy Boy pick, you know, a great influential team at that time. But I just never really got – two teams I never got into were them and public – I think it was Public Enemy. Nah, yeah, so, forget them. <laughs> yeah, no, I just never got into that those two teams. So, I mean, great, great pick, though. They deserve their spot in history. If I throw in the Mega Powers and the Outsiders, why not throw in the Dudley Boys? So, you know, but – I mean, I just never really gravitated to them, honestly, and I hate to be the Debbie Downer. You're not being a Debbie Downer, man. You're not even being a Debbie Downer at all. I just, I feel that they, they're one of those tag teams that, once again, were given shit and they made something of it. I felt like from, a, from an organization like ECW, they thrived to the big stage higher than a lot of tag teams out there. Hell, they even main evented a pay-per-view taking on The Undertaker, which is a horrible main event, by the way. In 2004, I believe it was a Great American Bash, but it was even with Paul Heyman trying to elevate them as a mainstream act instead of just a regular tag team. I felt like they gave a lot to the industry, uh, just as an industry. Just like I felt like you know, you know, the Outsiders gave a lot to the industry. I felt like the, w, the Dudley Boys gave a lot to the industry as well. What's going on, guys? So it seems that we had a communication error with Jay Ranks. And looks like I'm going to have to finish off this podcast. Um, so we'll just give our little outro. If you want to find Jay, you can reach him at EDM Trippy on Twitter. You can also find him on Bumpers at Jay's Corner. And co-hosting with me at the Kimura Chronicles, both on Bumpers, iTunes, and Podcast Republic. So look out for him. Let him know how he's doing as well, too. Give him that feedback. And of course, me here. At Sideshow Conversations, Val. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Uncanny underscore V. Instagram, you can find me at Val Cisco. And of course, here on Bumper, Sideshow Conversations and co-hosting with him at the Kamora Chronicles. Um, yeah, you can find Sideshow Conversations on Podcast Republic. You can find it on iTunes and you can find it here on Bumper. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know how we're doing. Even if we suck, even if the music seems a little off when it first starts out and your ears are bleeding, please let us know. We love the fact that we that we do this for you guys and for us. It's cathartic. It makes us feel better. It makes us vent out our frustrations in the world. Hell, it's therapy sometimes and it may be therapy for you. So thank you once again. Uh, we're going to try to make this a great 2818 i mean this is the number 10th episode for for pop five um i love the fact that we get great feedback from this i love the fact that you guys love our different kinds of points of views and uh, i don't get enough maybe disagreements or criticism and i'm welcoming that if i if i suck if i go too fast if i botch too many things so i need to edit better please let us know uh let me know um i only want to get better uh you know i want to take this as far as possible i want to make 2018 
uh, you to remember when it comes to Sideshow Conversations, the Kimura Chronicles, everything and anything. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. We're going to be trying to be more active on the Facebook page at Sideshow Conversations, more active on Twitter, try to reach out there, try to do more interviews, get out there. A lot to look forward to in 2018. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening for about two hours of nonsense sometimes or just... Um, just for a good laugh or two, or just to hear what kind of information we spew out of our mouths. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. Anyway, um, I'm going to speak for Jay on his behalf. Thank you, guys. Until the next one, get your mind out of gutter, but keep your mind and eye on the side.